Comedy Pods proudly presents Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working. It is the first week of September, which means Virgos like myself are celebrating their birthdays. It is episode 123 here on Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working, and I am joined by comedian Hunter Roberts, who's in town for the Pittsburgh Comedy Festival. Yeah. Great job last night. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I uh, I haven't gotten to do a black box in a bit, and uh, I was telling everybody there that it's set up in thrust because I was a theater person as well. So I also haven't performed in a thrust setup. When you have a vocabulary word like thrust, yeah, you might as well use you fit it, it in. Um, it wasn't in the round, but it was in in thrust. So that, like, I, I was telling them, I was like, oh, I haven't done that since I did uh, Laramie Project, uh, and ever, and I was like, that's. Which is considerably different yes. than me yelling about Pixar movies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it was, it was a nice setup. It was a great crowd. Um, wonderful for an opening night. And then, um, then I popped over to the University of Pittsburgh. For Collegiates and Comedian, their debut show for uh, freshman orientation. Mm, yeah, and it was they were turning those kids away. Uh, they, were, they were at capacity in that very nice ballroom with chandeliers that I felt like I was going to break. Well, that's bigger even than last year because they'd been in Nordy's place, which was like a basement show yeah. before. It was maybe about half the size of the venue yeah, yeah. I saw you guys were in. Um, so they, yeah, they put them in the big room. And uh, boy, howdy, that was a lot of kids, uh, which was, it, it was, that's, that's daunting um, because it's just, it's just it's, again, that's just a lot of people. And especially they're all like 17, 18 years old. Well, and I interviewed Chris Allen last year when he was here and he mm-hmm. had done the same thing, orientation weekend. Yeah. And the, what we were talking about is th- the fact is they're not even college kids yet. This yeah. is their, they're just getting there. So they yeah. don't even know how to be around each other, much less be an audience for yeah. comedy. Classes like haven't physically even started yet. Right. So, like they're just getting their fucking IDs and shit. It's like this, they're just um, overwhelmed by the entirety yeah. of what and they're about I, to do. I don't usually perform for teenagers sure uh, it's not to say like i don't say anything controversial in my stand-up uh, unless you you know get really offended by some hot takes on finding door or finding nemo you know like but uh, like but it's still it's literally just like i don't perform for super old people and i don't perform for super young people so it's literally like a i don't know if that's gonna work like i my uh, my instagram Tells me about my, my my target audience where you should be. Yeah, like, and slightly that, older. And that's yeah. kind of what my, my target audience is in, in comedy too. So it, it it's yeah, it's different. I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. It's just going to be an older white dude screaming at them for 15 minutes. How do you handle situations where your references are in an age group that isn't a part of the audience for a night? Whether it's too young or too old, do you still plow ahead with the standard set, or do you try I, to adjust? I do. It's that. It's that mindset that you know when you know when babies will watch TV and they don't know what's going on, but they still enjoy it. Um, I feel like I flail enough. <laughs> You're moving around, and, yeah, and acting. I do enough gestures and I pronounce words weird, and I, I feel like I do enough of that so that even if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can still be amused. I had somebody come up. I had a very popular bit that I haven't done in a while. It's about Legends of the Hidden Temple, and my sister of all people came up to me and she was like, "I have no idea what you were talking." about but the way you were talking about it was very funny you told it in a way that i liked it yeah and i was like neat um so i guess that's i have that going at least but again if it was 17 18 year olds they were right in my wheelhouse of having watched uh finding nemo seen enough of the movies and references sure that yeah so i feel like that i was like who here has seen inside out and like it got the biggest reaction i've ever gotten telling that joke and so i was like okay cool you all are children. You've seen the children's movie. And they were in high school, <laughs> yeah, and it's like, like, oh, we can be okay with our emotions. This yeah. is great. Hopefully we're not all terrible people for the rest of our lives. Yeah, hopefully we're not sociopaths <laughs> that didn't cry. 
Those are the worst kind of people. If uh-huh. you can't cry at a movie or you, a TV show you, at this point if, in your life. Inside Out doesn't break you. <laughs> you've killed cats before. That's what I think. You're I Sid think, from yeah, I think Toy you, Story. I yeah. think you've killed cats. The right amount um, of psychopath. It just uh, you're, a, you're a nightmare person. That's what you are. For uh, a bit like that that you close with, which is so much like a, a locomotive, you have to get mm-hmm. that momentum going. Is it easy or difficult to pivot to edit to change lines as that bit was being developed um i what i what i had to start doing was putting in breaths because <laughs> i do i do i talk really really fast yeah. and I'm yelling and it's a rant and it's a big old rant but that i've had to start adding in places where i know me saying something will get a laugh so i can pause for like a second or two to Catch grab that. a breath yeah. it's like uh, and th- so I say like, oh, and then Nemo swims off the deep end to try to go and touch the butt. And then I'll grab a breath there and let people laugh at the butt. Because right. That's a joke from the movie that if you know the movie you get. So I take that second to, to get that. And so like, I, I, ha- I had to start planning in breaths. That became a bigger thing because I would get really, I, at one point I say something about a barracuda and I can't use I, I used to not be able to get the word barracuda out. All the way. So it was like, <laughs> a barracuda. And so like, I sounded like John Hurt in any number of movies. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I had to start uh, putting that in, really, mostly. Is, um, yeah, a lot of people will have a drink on stage so they can take like a, a conscious breath yeah. uh, or just like a break in a joke. I think that's interesting to have to be so deliberate with just the amount of oxygen you can get in yeah. to get out so many words at once. I think I think uh, the best represent like Ron White does a very good job of, of dramatic drinking during mm-hmm. jokes. I, he punctuates a, a punchline with taking a sip and I think it's he even uses the sip as part of the and I, I just thought that's wonderful. I have never been able to figure out the uh, the how to drink on stage while telling jokes like I never plan it properly and every time I go to pick up a drink it's like I'll go to drink it, and then I'll just set it down and then do the next jokes and I never I wind up dry mouth and about to die at the end of the set once I did that once in a set where it was like two or three times I went to drink and then put it back and then I had to address it because enough people in the front row like noticed that I kept picking up and putting down my beverage without ever getting to it yeah um and well and then at the end of my set uh when I was uh still drinking the end of my set I, the, after I would do the huge Pixar bit, I would like I would throw my arms up and like yell, and then I would like uh, I'd grab my drink, and then I would start to talk into the microphone, and then I would start to chug my drink, and then I would put it down, and then I'd start to talk into the microphone again, and I'd go nope, and then just start drinking again, <laughs> and so I would wind up killing my entire drink, which would continue to get laughs, but that's hard to do now when I am not. Uh, drinking anymore yeah you've been sober now a little over three months yeah just uh three it was three months i think last week it's very impressive um, 90 days which apparently is like the big they, they say that it takes what like 14 days to build a habit and 90 days to set to a lock it lifestyle. in yeah yeah certainly um, how has it been being around comics because <clears throat> certainly the average uh audience member fellow comedian is yeah. not going to change their lifestyle no, no, but no. you and have I, to and decide I don't want them to that's certainly weird. Not. i've had i've had several <laughs> friends be like do you want me to be sober with you and i was like hell no i don't want you to be sober unless you want to be sober um because then it's then i feel burdened you know what i'm saying like, sure. i feel like a burden if, if people feel like they can't drink do what they would be doing yeah, if you just, weren't that's what uh, yeah so I've, I've had people be like well do you, is it okay if i and i'm like yeah dude just go ahead i'm an adult i can take care of myself um but so yeah, it's it's been it's been different. Um, I was telling, I think I posted about it online. I'm here in Pittsburgh, and I'm I was last not last night, but two nights ago, I was in Columbus, 
And Columbus was the last place I drank, actually. It was during the Whiskey Bear Comedy Festival. And uh, that was like my last hurrah. Run already, by Dustin already, Meadows. Yeah. Yep. Love that guy. Um, so sweet Him, Tom Plute, Lisa Berry, Nikki Winkleman, all great, run great shows in Columbus. Name drops some more people. Um, Pat Deering is one. <laughs> I grew up in Dayton, so I've, I, yeah, I yeah. haven't, didn't, I haven't done, com- or I didn't start comedy until I got to Pittsburgh, but I have a lot of friends in the Ohio scenes oh, now cool. and, and have been able to work um, those areas. I, no, I love Columbus. Columbus is like a, so I've, I've performed a lot at home and I've performed a shitload in Knoxville. And then the third on that list is Columbus. I've performed probably the most in Columbus over any other city other than like my two home cities is what I guess uh, home in Knoxville will be considered. So it's like my third home in comedy. So I love Columbus. But uh, I had made the decision to stop drinking the day after my birthday. But Whiskey Bear was coming up. So I was like, uh, uh, the, it, people will expect me to drink there. So I, I showed up, I drank, and I was like, this is going to be my last hurrah. And I started telling people that this was going to be, I was going to be uh, sober. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm here, and then I was in Columbus uh, on Monday, no, Tuesday, Tuesday. And uh, the, they're both places, the venues that I'm performing while I'm here are both places where I have had people bring me shots on stage. While performing. While performing, yeah. yeah like, and, and so I'm, I'm literally like, oh, this is going to be different. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's certainly an adjustment. Yeah, and it was it's my first time on the road since I've been sober. Um, I didn't mean for it to happen, but I wound up taking an entire month off. Um, from touring or from, from jokes from, in general? From shows in general. I, I hit up like two open mics, and I did my, my monthly Wealth of Knowledge Man show that I run. Um, but... It, yeah, I wound up not doing anything for a month, which wound up being a good thing. It, uh, it let me like recalibrate without. Well, like you were saying, those first twenty-one days, it's so imperative oh, yeah, to to start a new habit in the right way. It, yeah, so I I didn't I didn't do anything, and I was like, okay, cool. I I know I can handle it. Like I know I can, because again, I'm a bartender, you know, so I'm around alcohol sure. every single day. It's not like the career changed. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm around this as a comedian. I perform in bars, so that's there, and I host trivia. A lot of times we get paid in alcohol. Yeah, yeah. here's your free drinks, and I'm like, these are cool, I'll give them to somebody else. Um, <laughs> and so then I also host trivia, which also takes place in bars. So literally all of my jobs, I'm surrounded by alcohol. And if I can handle that, then I can go on the road. Yeah, like, absolutely. So I, I lucked into that, that month not even being planned, but it wound up helping me out. Well, and something you said earlier that resonates with me, you're like, it's okay if my friend drinks, I'm an adult, I can handle myself. Putting it out there during Whiskey Bear, having that kind of accountability from the community, you're very active on social media. Yeah. I know that you made a post initially, right, you know, announcing this is what's going that. on with me, here's how things are going, here's why I made this choice. Mm-hmm. I uh, No, I talked about it. I, I made a YouTube video um, as a way to kind of explain what was going on because um, my personality and my persona and the way people see me, I didn't realize until I started doing this, I, is so intrinsically intertwined with drinking. Um, th- it's just, uh, I did a roast recently with some friends because it was a friend's 30th birthday. Nice. And I, I stopped drinking two months before that. And I realized that that pulled a lot of bullets out of a lot of guns <laughs> for a lot of people that were going to make fun of me. start rewriting. Yeah, a lot Heavy. of people were like, well, shit, there went like a half of my material. <laughs> what I else do I know about Hunter at all? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so like it became like a huge part of me and I, I was like, so I needed to, I felt like I needed to tell people because I had gone, that was, that was about a week in at that point before I made that video, but I felt weird 
not telling people because I would like uh, people would buy me drinks and I would be like, oh, thank you. And then I would like give them to someone else and Let's try and to then, slide. Yeah. Them over. And I had a thing on my social media where I would make a different cocktail every single week based off of a Disney movie. And the first week that I wasn't drinking, I did one, but it was like not a cocktail, but I took a picture of it, pretended it was a cocktail and never told anyone. And it just felt wrong. So I was still trying to pretend like I was a person that drank. Sure. And then I was just like, I need to be honest about what's going on. Yeah, certainly. Um, And because that, that, that's what I have tried to push in the last couple of years is open and honesty about what you're going through will reach other people and make other people feel less isolated and secluded by going through the, that they, they're going through the same thing. Right. And to let other people know that people are going through that too. You don't have to feel ashamed about that. You're not alone. You're not isolated. There are people you can talk to. You can talk to me. You can talk to the fucking internet, you know, like that, like uh, one the of my community is like, out there. Yeah. One of my friends was like, go see a therapist. And I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just talk about my life on to the, everyone. Yeah. To everybody. Um, which is probably still unhealthy, but it's working for me. You uh, have to be a little bit of a narcissist to take a microphone on stage. Yeah, with you. exactly. I said to somebody, stand up comedy is equal parts self-loathing and equal parts self-righteous. <laughs> Like, it's that whole thing of, like, I suck, but everyone should listen to me. You know, it's this weird thing of listen to me, even though I think no one should listen to me. Um, and I would go to therapy if it worked like it does on TV shows, but it doesn't. I've been a couple times, and it's I, I had one therapist be like, I think you're pretty well adjusted. And I was like, I don't think. Are you you're listening right. to yeah, me? Yeah, like, did you hear anything I said? Where were you the last 40 yeah. minutes when I was talking? I tried it when I lived in Baltimore after college, and I had to shift from, like, Tuesdays to Saturdays, and then the guy no-showed me, and then never called to reschedule, never reached back out. So it was very much like, you were going to talk about my abandonment issues, and then... Yeah, maybe he abandoned you. Yeah. Um, that, that, I think that was, uh, like, immersion therapy. He was, uh, he was trying to see how you handled it, and... Uh, you handled it. You handled it well. well I pursued comedy four yeah. years later. It's yeah. It <laughs> took me a while to shake that off. I'm okay now. But uh, yeah, I so I, I decided to be open and honest about stuff on the internet, and uh, it's been going great. Um, you know, I had a message from somebody the other day asking me, you know, how it was going, and it's somebody I hadn't talked to in in probably 15, 20 years. You know, like Facebook is. Yeah, and uh, he. He, you know, I was like, I was like, thanks for telling me that, you know, my posts mean something to you because sometimes it feels like I am just screaming into the void. And he was like, I can guarantee you that for every one person that messages you, there's probably 30 people who are thinking messaging you that are thinking that, you know, like that are that are also feeling better about themselves because of the stuff that you're posting. And I'm like, well, that's neat. That's what I'm going for. Um, Well, and you're trying to live an authentic life. You're still trying to talk about the things that are important to you, things you're passionate about, and share that with the world, whether it's the trying to cook, you know, 52 unique or what, um, 26 unique meals this year. Yeah, I was trying to, um, which I could still probably pull it off. I just am way behind. Going to have to hustle through the last quarter. Yeah, every two weeks, uh, my New Year's resolution, uh, for several years, I have done a New Year's food resolution where my resolution is to learn how to make something new each year. And I did like truffles and chicken tortilla soup and um, a bunch of other different stuff. Uh, Grits, learn how to make grits good. That was one of them. But this year I was like, I'm going to do more. 
because I can do one. Yeah. Why can't I why do? Can't I? And I realized that there's, you know, there's uh, 26 letters in the alphabet. 26 times two is 52. That is the number of weeks in a year. And I was like, how about every two weeks I do a letter of the alphabet and I find a new food or dish that I've never made before and I teach myself how to do it. I'm currently sitting pretty at letter K. Okay. Which, you know, sh- I should have passed several months ago. Um, I made uh, Kyot Kicker, which is a uh, Norwegian meatball, mm. which was fucking delicious. Uh, Do you have a favorite one that you've made so far? Oh man, the the gumbo I made was pretty good. The no, it was it wound up being not gumbo. It wound up being jambalaya, because <laughs> I that was one that I kept hitting because it was E. I could have done etouffee. I could have done G for gumbo, and then I finally just went for J for jambalaya. It's like, let's do they, it. Like, they're all pretty much the same dish, just Essentially, different yeah. variations throughout. And uh, but I found I wound up doing like E was eggplant and G was gnocchi, <laughs> which I'd always wanted to learn how to make. I'd ne- I've never done handmade pasta before, and it's not technically pasta; it's more like a potato dumpling. But still, I oh I'd trust never me, in done. Pittsburgh they know. Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> I was, yeah, it was the home of the pierogies. Um, but I, yeah, I, I definitely, I wanted to do like a homemade, like a handmade kind of dough before, which I'd never done before. Um, the gnocchi was good, but again, I, th- man, that jambalaya was really good. Um, I did the, the baklava, the baklava was pretty popular. Nice. I took it around to some places and everybody that had it really enjoyed it. But, uh, yeah, I'm, st- I, I want to L's become a problem because, there's latkes, there's lamb. There's, latkes are very tasty. Um, there's lobster. I've never dealt with lobster before, but that feels like, man, if I fuck that up, that's that was an expensive mistake. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> Might do that on somebody else's dime. Yeah, if somebody else, if, if anybody's willing to sponsor my uh, A to Z food resolution, then go ahead. Um, but Hunters out there looking for sponsors, <laughs> folks. Here on the podcast, we are very excited. The official pizza sponsor, Driftwood Oven, was just featured on Bon Appetit's top 50 new restaurants of 2018 right here in beautiful Lawrenceville. And for the last four months now, we've been having a segment called Always Improving, something we talk about that the Greenbrier Treatment Center here in Western Pennsylvania, uh, who handle drug and alcohol rehab, have been sponsoring. And it's the same question each week, and it's something we kind of touched on a little bit, but I'd love your you know, answer to. What is something that we can do that would directly help the human condition here on this planet? Something we can do in how we interact with other people, something we can do at a larger level, but whatever it is, um, how can we make this existence better for all of us? Um, yeah, well, I, I definitely talk. My, my answer is, is honesty. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't, don't be like an asshole honest. You know what I'm saying? Don't like walk around to people and be like, you're ugly. Don't be abrasive you know for yeah, no like, reason. Yeah. Yeah. But like, be open about your condition. Like, don't, pretend like everything's always peachy when it isn't and you know like because that creates issues in and of itself you know i i I live a very specific life on social media it is it sometimes it is all hunters and doing weird antics and he's on the road and he's having fun and that's awesome then also every once in a while you'll get a picture of me from where i was like crying in the middle of the night because I'm also bipolar. And it's, so it's like, look guys, it's also this, uh, the, the life I live. And it's everything. Yeah. And being comfortable with all of the moments yeah. and emotions and feelings that you have. And, and so, and, and because of that, you know, you, 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 you being more open and honest with other people allows you to be more open and honest with yourself. And that was what led to my sobriety. It led to me being like, something's wrong, Hunter. Um, something's really wrong and you need to do something about it. 
Do you think without stand-up comedy, you would have been as introspective on how you are to figure that sort of thing out? I, I honestly don't know. Um, because my stand-up is very different. Because like I, I, I don't talk about myself a lot. Sure. On stage. I mean, I talk about things that your passions, that, your interests, yeah, and stuff like that. And I'll talk about like how I got a cat, but it's not like I don't talk about like I want to talk about you know my bipolar disorder, my sobriety. I just haven't found a way to make it funny to connect to yeah, enough people. Yeah, yeah. Like, because my number one rule with comedy is be funny. Uh, like be funny, have fun. That's, That's a good it. base rule. Yeah. Because you know? otherwise, what are you doing up there? You're just you're just doing a monologue and. And if that you know if that works for other people, that's fine. But that's my rule. My rule is yeah. I want to be funny. Um, I'm, I'm not going to go up there to try to make people cry while I'm doing stand up. That's not what I'm aiming for. Um, you can recommend some films yeah, if that's what they're looking for. Rec- I'll recommend some shit I've been in, but like, but but n- not when I'm on the stage. Sure. Uh, like I, if you want to think, sure. But I want to be like this is what happens, and then also here's a joke. To make it worth you coming to a comedy show. Yeah, you're here to laugh. Um, so I, but I, so I don't know. I don't know if that's what caused it. Um, I remember when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder was the first time I was in college. And uh, where'd you go to school? Uh, Radford University. The first time, dropped out after four years, and then uh, took a five-year break. Five-year break where I was a professional wrestler. Oh, and then, we're gonna talk that here soon. Yeah, and then popped back into uh, college after I got back on stage as an actor and then went to, uh, like, was a theater student and then wound up graduating from ETSU, East Tennessee State University. Uh, God bless, go Bucks, Fuck that place. <laughs> um, and then I graduated yet yeah, there with a degree in general studies. But the, uh, the first time in college at Radford, I got diagnosed uh, with bipolar disorder. And I remember telling my family, because I was ashamed, you know what I'm saying, when you, 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 something's wrong with me. Yeah. And as soon as I told my mother, she was like, well, oh, well, I suffer from OCD. And my brother was like, I'm ADHD. And, like, it was like this weird, now the family is very open and honest about the things that are going on, which we weren't growing up because something was wrong with you. Um, and... Something like you should second, keep to yourself. Something yeah, you felt ashamed about. Yeah, even. and 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 because of that, it created so many problems in our family. Like it, it, me growing up was a very tense. It was a very tense household. Um, it was a lot of walking on eggshells because you never knew what you were going to say that was going to set mom off, or you never knew what was going to happen that was going to make Aaron be a dick. Aaron's my brother. Um, you never knew what was going to happen to make Hunter just isolate himself in his room for several days, and or you know go and try to jump off the roof because he had a crazy idea. Like stuff like that. And well, then, Mick Foley did it. You can do anything. Yeah, he's a hero for all of us. Um, but my mom cried when Dude Love first debuted at WWE. Oh, if you nice. want to talk about emotional Sweet. moments, Sweet. so um, I lost my shit. I was at uh, I was at Shawn Michaels uh, Hall of Fame induction. Very nice. I, I cried during that. We just um, talked about it on uh, the episode two weeks ago, but I attended WrestleMania 13. I know you mentioned knowing all the main events. Yeah, WrestleMania week. 13. That's uh, that's Diesel. That's uh, no, it's Undertaker versus Psycho Sid. Yep. Um, Diesel versus Shawn Michaels is 11 um, That was also Where he wrestled Not nah, everyone um, <laughs> But yeah that was Undertaker's second set yes. Hartford, Connecticut? Is that where that was? Rosemont, Chicago Rosemont, Chicago Hartford was 11 I don't know why I'm getting confused 20, um, I know 12 was Anaheim With uh, the Iron Man the Brett and Shawn Iron Man match Overtime uh, But 
Yeah, and and then as soon as I I opened up about it to my family, we all kind of opened up about it together. There was an Easter where we were all talking about the medications we were taking, and I thought that was just hilarious to me, because for look so how much far of, we've all come. Yeah, because there was so so long we had not talked about it, and then as soon as we all started talking about it, it was like, oh, my entire life makes sense now. And it was right around that where I had that idea of like, look what honesty can do for a family. We're much closer as a family now than we were when we were growing up. It was uh, so that that's I don't know where that story came from, but it, it has to do with still back to my answer of like, just tell the truth about stuff. Yeah, be <laughs> There's honest. There's no point in lying about be, because if if you're putting on airs, so are other people. You know what I'm saying? If, yep. you're, if you're if you are like, oh, but if people know the truth, they're gonna think less of me. Well, then they're also pieces. Like we're all pieces of shit. Correct. We we're all pieces of shit, and we're all pretending like everything's better than it is. Um, just be honest about the way things are, and you'll feel so much better. <laughs> Do you think it's mostly people lying to other people about how things are, or they lie to themselves? They don't know if they're happy, or they don't know if things are okay. It's a little column A, column B. Um, because if you're, you're lying to other people and then you start lying to yourself to try to, to try to everything's kind of like fake it till you make it kind of thing. Right. Um, and you start to buy into your own bullshit. Um, that it's, it's, I would say both. I would say both. Yeah, I believe that. Always improving and brought to us by the Greenbrier Treatment Center. They are restoring hope and recovering lives. There are many options to pay for drug and alcohol rehab, either with or without insurance. Call 1-800-637-HOPE or greenbriar.net for more information. September is National Recovery Month, so I am thrilled to have you on here for the first week of September as we kind of head into uh, profiling a few different comedians um, that have struggled or are working towards sobriety. Mm-hmm. With you working to incorporate your passions, and I'm a, a fellow Taylor Swift fan, mm-hmm. have been nice. since the first album. On the way over here. Where do you land on Kanye West and her dynamic? Uh, I've never liked Kanye West. Okay. Um, I don't. I will say this: uh, he's a great producer. I, I don't care for his lyrical style. That's just a, a personal thing. But um, I don't care for the Kardashians. I don't. I'm not going to be a butthole about it, but I don't. Not your people. Yeah, it's not. It's not what I'm into. I I have had a hard time with rap music um, for several years now. I I I I like Kendrick Lamar. I'm not obsessed with it. I don't. We'll put it on occasionally, but it's not your go-to genre. Sure. I don't really care about Drake. I don't have a bad thing to say about Drake. I just don't like. I grew up with uh, fucking Tupac and Biggie, and that's still what I will listen to. Yeah. I am one of those old farts that's like, well, it was better when I was. That's what I liked. Yeah. And so that's where I stand on it. I haven't liked a new rapper in I don't know how long. At least on his newest record, he does kind of confront his bipolar disorder. He's trying to talk about the things that are going on with his life. And 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 like I don't want to be like again, I don't want to be a butthole, but it feels like too little, too late. Like he's trying to blame everything that that he's ever done that was bad on bipolar disorder. Um, which at a certain point I have a joke that I've that I say on stage where it's like uh, I'm bipolar, or as my doctor calls it, uh, manic depressive uh, with uh, acute social anxiety and slight paranoia, or as my friends call it, Hunter's an asshole half the time. <laughs> and like 
that's true. You, you are hard to deal with, but then also saying like, Oh, it's bipolar disorder. That's the problem. No, you're the problem. You still have self-control. Yeah. You still have the ability to make the choices that you're making. Yeah. You're also just an asshole yeah. sometimes, Kanye. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's no reason to get up on stage and take that girl's microphone that away was, from her. She was a baby. She was a baby, and that was like the biggest thing she'd ever won. And he fucking took... Did, should she have won it? No, I agree with him. No arguments. Beyonce should have won that award, but... That was not what you should have done about. Also, it's an MTV Movie Award. It's it was the first award of the Nobel night. Prize. It was like let let's see if Beyonce wins one of the nominations yeah. she has before you you know storm the stage. It's fucking. It was unnecessary bullshit. Do you look at stuff that goes on in entertainment as somebody who's been a part of professional wrestling and done that as a stage show, as as kind of the theater of as what? A work? Yeah, as, as a, what as, he's trying to do as as a long term angle that. Perhaps the two of them are completely in on and aware of. I I mean that's some that's some uh, Andy Kaufman shit. Fair. I I don't think. I mean, sure, it made Taylor Swift more famous after that, but that's not to say that she wouldn't have been already. You know what Correct. I'm saying? Like, I I that think, was before '89, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. That was so she did anything after that? I, that was before Based Red. On merit. That was before okay. Red. So I think Red was the one that came out after it. But she was already like she started dating Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay, like, yeah, you know right what I'm saying? Like, then. I I feel like she was going to be famous regardless of whether or not Kanye gave her a bump. I guess in a way, but she was already a country artist who was being acknowledged by MTV. Yeah, she was. She'd already done the cross. She'd outkicked she'd her coverage. She she had made enough of an impact. Yeah, genre, you know, defining. That she can go and do what she wants. And that's when you get red, which is this weird mishmash of shit. Because she was still wanting to appease the country fans. and But also, she's not, she was never a country artist. She, she, and hearing her country albums is so cringy because she's putting on this fucking fake accent to <laughs> sing stuff. And it's like, it feels like a perfect night. And stuff like And so she's trying to appease. Let's get that twang in there yeah, just enough. she's trying to appease the country fans. And there's random like mandolin shit. Mixed with dubstep, and I'm like, Ugh, come on, just <laughs> fucking cross over already. And then 1989 was her full on uh, crossover I, pop. I do album. pop music now. Yeah. No, she's incredible. If I I host trivia, I'm headed over to the Beer Hive right after this, which hosts a stand up mic on Wednesdays, and I host I've trivia there every before, Thursdays. Yeah. Um, I'm going to make my playlist. What is the one song that you got to throw in there to get the crowd going from her catalog? If I can only play one. Her catalog. Uh, Trouble's a really good one. I know you were Trouble. Uh, 22. 22 is always fun. Again, Red's a really good album because a lot of the... the Never the, ever getting back together. Yeah, because a, a lot of the girls um, that will come to trivia were... That was their album. Yep. Like that, so that's a good one to play. Um, shit, what was the, the one that she won the award for? Uh, uh, fuck. Uh, our the, song? No, God that's Almighty. That's too old. That that's was, first that's, record. Yeah, that was. Uh, it's the one where she plays two Taylor Swifts in the video. Um, oh, you belong with me. Yeah, that one. Yeah. That one works too. Uh, that so those are really good ones. Her newer stuff, they're, they're very nice, but they're not going to get people to like sing along. Sure. Uh, maybe blank space might, or maybe shake it off style. But, but yeah. that's yes, yeah, blank style is more of a, a, a low sedated. key sedated. But yeah, I I would say red. Okay. Anything from red would be good. What was it like being in a pro wrestling 
persona, whether were you typically a face or a heel throughout your run? Uh, for most of my run, I was a face. I, I wrestled for about three years. I was Hunter O'Malley. I was Irish, um, and I was a good guy. So it started out me and my tag team partner. He was my brother, quote unquote. Uh, <laughs> he was not actually my brother. His name's T. Quillen. Great dude. He's my best friend. He's a stuntman. Um, Very cool. Fucking awesome dude. We did a movie together called The Room. Not that one. Um, and it's actually, it's part of an anthology film series called Tales from the Appalachia. And uh, it's getting picked up in a lot of film festivals currently. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, that's really neat. Um, but, yeah, he was my tag team partner. He was Casey O'Malley. I was Hunter O'Malley. We were a tag team. We were great. We won the tag team titles a couple times. And then we split up like all tag teams do. And then we fought each other. And then, uh, and then he left wrestling and then I stayed on, won the TV title. And then got hurt, uh, got my head split open um, with a steel chair, and decided to take a break from wrestling. And then I came up with a storyline to turn heel, which is a bad guy in wrestling. Heels are called bad guys. For people that don't know, I know you do, but I'm explaining it to the audience. Uh, But heels are bad guys. I turned into a heel, and I became the champion of the company. So I was like the main champion, the main heel. I was a bad guy for about six months. Nice. Had people throwing trash and shit at me, and then I had my last match and left and have not gone back. I got two concussions in a week. Yeah, that'll and, do it. And and I and that was when I was already when I had decided. I had decided to leave because I was going back to school and in my last two matches I got concussions. And I was like, Well, I can't remember people's names a lot of time now. Um, that's been the downside of, of wrestling. But I wouldn't take it back. I would still do it, given the opportunity. Like, if I if I had to live my life all over again, I, I wouldn't change that. Cutting promos, more fun as a face or a heel? Oh, as a heel. Everything's more fun as a heel. Yeah. Um, to get that kind of animosity against you, no matter that. It's just, easy, too. I don't understand people that can't be heels. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. It's so easy. Just, like, I at one point, I, I grabbed a microphone and walked around the, the room like the, the armory that we were in and just two people's face insulted them and then moved on. And like <laughs> to the next person, to the next person, to the next person. The like, yeah. It was just like person by person. <laughs> and like people fucking hated me. It was wonderful. That's awesome. It's, it's just, it's so much more gratifying to have that heaped upon you because if you're, if you are a bad guy, a really bad guy, if they hate you, they will cheer whoever wrestles you. You can it, put anybody over. Yeah, it because just I, I wrestled people that people didn't care about, and then people were fucking chanting his name, just in hopes that he would do anything to me. And that's oh man, that's so much more gratifying. Because as a good guy, it's it's just getting yourself over. Sure, it's got to be fun celebrating with the belt when they love you. Yeah, and everything's but, wonderful. But as a bad guy, like that, the night that I dropped the title. It was a cage match and uh, the guy won the belt and there's video of people in the audience hugging each other. Just out of like, just out of, such like joy. Strangers. Strangers hugging each other. <laughs> this guy won the belt and defeated Hunter O'Malley and it was like I like I mean he was the guy that won was a part of that but like that was me. That was me building that for six months. Sure. Of 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 setting up this 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 horrible bad guy that was finally vanquished, uh, you know you don't you have three you have three movies about getting rid of Sauron, right? right? You get throwing the fucking ring into the the goddamn volcano all the way up, yeah. 
Like the movie's about the bad guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> you need a bad guy. That's the, the thing that I think people forget. It's not always the hero's journey doesn't mean anything if there's not a real foe. If you your heroes are only as good as your bad yeah, guy. Yeah, you that's have to feel Batman, like someone's in danger. That's why Batman's better than Superman. That's why and Spider-Man's better than Iron Man, to be perfectly honest. Iron Man doesn't have a great rogues gallery. But anybody can name a fucking Spider-Man bad guy. Yeah. Anybody can name a fucking Batman bad guy. That's that's what makes them so great. So I saw you've been doing your Marvel bracket on Instagram oh, yeah, for yeah, the last yeah, few yeah. weeks. Do you have uh, a one that you're hoping for? Or do you not want to tip your hand? Well, I will say this. I will say this. Every single one that has won, I have picked so far. Okay. So I've not gotten any wrong. Uh, my bracket is still 100%. <laughs> Uh, if, if, if this was March Madness, I would still have a perfect bracket. Um, right now, I still have it. I think today's is uh, Winter Soldier versus Doctor Strange, and Winter Soldier's up. Nice. Uh, that's not to say that I didn't like Doctor Strange. It's just, like, it's one of those. Like, yesterday was fucking ridiculous. It was like 94% to 6% Guardians won over Ant-Man and Wasp. And you think just not enough people saw Ant-Man and Wasp I, yet? It's I, that, but also Guardians is Guardians great. Is first Guardians amazing. is a great movie. Like, it's, yeah. like Ant Man and Wasp was was just delightful. I had such a good time, and you know, like I, I didn't have to think about implications and and uh, the fucking snap, and it was just you know, <laughs> I, you know, like I just it was like light and breezy, and the, the the special effects were great, and all the stuff that they did with Ghost and Michelle Pfeiffer is awesome, and so like uh, Evangeline Lilly finally getting to do stuff it was awesome as the Wasp. And so, like, I enjoyed the hell out of that movie. But it's just not as good as Guardians 1. Like, yeah. there's no way around that. But And so it, it got stomped. Slam it was dunk like winner. 47 to 3 was the voting, I think, on that one. It was not very good for them. As we move to wrap up, I do want to talk to you about how you set up the shows that you produce, either nationally or at home. Uh, Wealth and Knowledge Man, you've toured, you brought that here to Pittsburgh before, mm -hmm. and then you do my TV stories yeah. on a regular basis back home. Again, passion projects, things that you care about, things that you're excited about, and you get to do them in a comedy environment. Yeah, I because um, uh, trivia was, I, I have to host trivia now, like you, as you, you also do that, but like I used to play trivia, and I used to win, so everybody got mad, <laughs> and so then they just gave me a job hosting instead. Uh, so, so that's what, that's where wealth and knowledge man came from. The wealth and knowledge man being like, why don't I just host trivia and, and make it be my own dumbass questions. And, and it's like a weird game show kind of vibe. There's three, it, it, it takes pieces from a lot of different shows that I've loved, but, uh, it's three contestants and they all bring prizes for a prize bag. And if they play for somebody in the audience, if they win, that audience member wins the prize bag, similar to Doug Loves Movies. Um, but the audience can also answer questions and win stuff out of a smaller prize bag, similar to kind of like a quiz box, which runs out of Columbus. Okay. Also, the questions are done very much in a style of the MTV game show Idiot Savants, which nobody watched. Uh, so it's, it's there's like story questions where I'm like reading them and acting stuff out. And there's also a physical challenge because I loved uh, Double Dare growing up. And uh, so, yeah, it, I got to piece it together from a lot of my different interests. And my TV stories. Is I love TV shows um, and I love script readings because I have a I have a background in acting and, right. and as a as a way to get to perform on stage in a different capacity, uh, it'd still be funny, but like you get to you get to flex different muscles. So oh, absolutely, not just going up and telling jokes. Here's my act outs. Yeah, yeah. you know, because it, 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 comedy is extremely satisfying. I love doing comedy. Um, it it 
it is it's my happy place performing for people. But also, again, as a as an offshoot of that bipolar disorder, I'll hit a manic phase and want to do stuff. Just <laughs> like I want to yeah. do more stuff. And um, I've been lucky that the, that those shows that I've created have gotten to uh, to uh, people have liked them because again, they're very much things for me. Yeah, like absolutely. They, and then, uh, but other people have been like, "These are fun. This is great. <laughs> Neat, cool. This thing I came up with just to appease myself." Um, are also things that you all like. Well, and that's part of what you said is honesty, opening yourself up, doing the things that you care about, not putting on you know a fake persona for the world, and finding the people who are attracted to those things. And yeah. that's exactly what you're out there doing in comedy. And, and I'm, I'm very lucky that I have a. Uh, I, the thing I always like to say is that I have been very fortunate. And just in a lot of different ways, I have been very fortunate. And one of the big ways is that I have a great friend group. I have a, an amazing friend group, both back home and on the road, all across the country. Um, I have been very fortunate to do stand-up, which is like a very tight-knit family. And theater is very much kind of similar the same way. It's a, it's a tight-knit family. So the people that are my friends are my damn friends. Like, they are people that I will spend my whole days around and, and feel comfortable being sober. Um, because that used to not, for like the first two weeks, it was a nightmare being out and around people and, and them being drinking and then me really wanting to drink because I was not comfortable in my own skin. But being around my friends uh, helped. Seeing that they don't treat you any differently. Yeah, they're, they're, not, they're still they're not happy to accept you yeah. no matter what um, you're choosing and support you. I was an, And plus they had to put up with me. I was a dick. <laughs> I was awful. Like everybody's talked about it now that I'm like, where I'm at now, but considerably like, they were like, nicer, were, calmer. You were fucking terrible to put up with. For, for you were just mean to people, and I was <laughs> like, I understand because I was mad. Yeah, um, because I don't, I didn't realize how much alcohol took an edge off to just talk to people, um, just to be out. Yeah, and, yeah I needed, I needed it to exist, um, just around other people, and sometimes I needed it to exist just by myself, alone, um, and and that wasn't good for me. Well, I'm glad you got some help. I'm glad you took some initiative and, and you're feeling comfortable now after 90 plus days. Yeah. I was very thankful that we got the chance to do this today while you're through town. Um, if people that are listening to the show want to follow your career, find you on social media, what's the best way to do it? Um, I'm on Facebook, but I the, the thing that I would tell people the most, I love Instagram. I love because I'm, a, I'm my mother was a photographer and I very much love pictures. I was telling somebody last night, I was like, I like pictures because I'm a five year old. <laughs> um, but I, I, yeah, I like taking pictures. I like because you, know, you can see the food that I eat and my damn dog. I love the show and my dog and my cat and, and, you know, my adventures going on the road. So that would be, yeah, the Instagram is probably the best way to keep in touch with me to, to see my pictures and stuff like that. That's at. Hunna, H-U-N-N-A-H-H. I need a better name, but I like that name, so that's where I'm at. Leaving it for but now. But yeah, I would say Instagram is probably my favorite place to interact with people. Um, I spend most of my day on there just double-tapping pictures because I just like... Liking anything uh, Yeah, see. I like pictures, man. I really do. It's like a, 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 snapshot, a snapshot of the world. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like you get to see... Three by fives, man. Yeah, yeah how absolutely. people are living their life. And again, like I was saying, I will... You'll see me doing some crazy thing, but then you'll also see a picture of me, you know. You're a fully formed you on there. Yeah. You try you, your best. You get, you get, and you I get think it shows, well, man. I do. The, you get the full scope of what my life is on there. Um, and that's, yeah. So that's, I, I would say Instagram. That's my 
probably my favorite place to to interact with people. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at dropping bombs, B-A-U-M-S. Same on Twitter or Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher. You can find the podcast on Laughable, wherever podcasts are sold. Hunter, uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. That's it, man. You're beautiful. You're neat. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. You have been listening to Unplanned Comedy Pods, a podcast collection.